praise God. Um, I'd like us to turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. I'm just wanting to read verses 1 and verse 3 of Psalm 40. You know, most people put glasses on to read. <laughs> I've taken mine off simply because I'm in the process of renewing my very portals. <laughs> Actually, it's great for distance, <laughs> but for reading, it, uh, I'm struggling. <coughs> so if you're wondering why I took my glasses off, that's the reason. But praise God, let's think about God's word uh, today. And we're reading Psalm 40. The first three verses, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Notice that. Notice the excitement in, in the words, how it progresses. Notice how David starts off and it gets better and louder and greater and higher and he's exalting his God. And this morning for a few moments, I'd just like to think uh, and consider uh, our thinking on a song of God's deliverance. Well, this is what the psalm is. God delivering David and God delivers us, his people. And the thought is this. When two estranged become one, contrast this. The saviour and the sinner and the saved becomes a saint. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. This is the two, estranged becoming one. The sinner, the saviour and the saint. The result of being saved. Notice verse 1. It begins, I. David is talking personally concerning himself. For David, it's a reflection. It's a reflection of a reality. It's based upon his own experience in God. He has and knows of an absolute trust that is his. In his God. And this is what he's doing. He's exalting his God. He's lifting God up. He says, I waited. Notice the next word then. Waited. I waited patiently. Patiently. How impatient I am often. How impatient we are where God is concerned. We want things now. Things done the way we think. But not with God. He wants us to do it his way. So we wait patiently, like David did. But he knew the deliverance that was his. So he waited patiently. The word here, patiently, means this. It means a confidence. A confidence in knowing 
a confidence in knowing that God is there and also enduring, continuing. That's the patiently waiting upon God. Knowing he's there, that's so. But waiting for him to answer. Now here in this sense is another meaning to this word. What it means is this, an inner strength. Another inner strength. You see, what David has is the Spirit of God that is upon him and within him. And that is so with all of us as we wait patiently upon our God. It's the working of the Holy Spirit within. The Holy Spirit working within us in our lives as we wait upon our God. He is directing. He is leading. He is guiding if we allow him to do this. And David was of this mind, this mindset. He was waiting patiently, confident in his God. Because then he says this, he, meaning God, inclined. Think about that, inclined. What it means is this, he listened intently. He knew God was listening to him. God listens to us. He knows us. He cares. He listens to our every cry. He's there well ahead of us because he's willing to answer as we believe in him. God inclined to David and he knew this. And because of this, God was ready to respond. God will always answer. Deliverance often is not immediate. We know that. We pray for a deliverance in many times in situations. We know it's not often immediate. But delay may mean waiting for God's directives. Because God has a plan and a purpose and a working through us for us, uh, his plan is, is planned for us. And so wait for him as he directs. David was waiting upon his God for a direction from him. Here then is establishing this, God's sure deliverance. God will surely deliver. Of that, his promises are sure. That is absolutely true. He is trustworthy in every age and time that God answers prayer for those who wait and believe on him. <coughs> now, David here also adds something else. He's thinking in the now, in the immediate of God's deliverance. But he's going to add and add something else in verse 2. And in verse 2, it talks of, yes, God's deliverance. He also brought me up. God was there to deliver. And we know this to be true because in every age and in every time for every individual God will deliver them. God's own son in the person Jesus of Christ sets us free 
from sin. This is what we're realising. We're going to add, as David did, he knew there was a God of deliverance, but yet he hadn't really fully grasped what we know today because he had not the fullness of the Holy Spirit as we have. But you see, this is what he knew, that God is there to deliver. So I want to consider in three consecutive aspects, three things concerning deliverance. God's deliverance. First is the reason, and that is the condition of the sinner, which David readily recognised he was, but he was saved through the grace of God and God's love for him, which we do and must do, for that is our condition outside of God. Notice again, you see in verse 1, he has a plea. He has a cry unto God. He's crying out to God for that deliverance. And so are we. But when we know him, we've cried out and he's delivered us. That's the assurance. But he's there for all. So we all need to cry out for God's word in Romans 5. Verse 12 tells us this. That all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. There's no righteous person. We're all sinners. And that's the way we are. And that is why that's the reason, the condition we are in. So sin then is inherent. How do we know that? Yes. We know this because it comes through our parents in our lives and the things that we do. Sin is actually rebellion against God. For in the, the beginning, Satan, who instigates sin in every situation, rebelled against God. And so men in sin and women in sin are rebelling against God. They're full of what they want and not what God requires of them. But you see, we've got to establish this before we can establish the greatest truth of all, that salvation is in Jesus Christ. Sin is not only rebellion, it's not only inherent in all of us, we're born in sin, and, uh, and what sin does then, it separates us, sadly, from God. So outside of Christ, the knowledge of knowing salvation, we are all separated from God. And that is the way we are. But that is not the way that we need to be. That is certainly not the way that David was. Because he would not dwell there. Because he knew salvation belonged to God. And God would deliver him from his sin. So here then continuing are two aspects in verse 2. What sin represents? Well, it represents this as we go on in what we read. It is horrible. Now there's a strange word they use, horrible, but we take that word and look at it in a way that any situation or anything that happens that's awful, disliked, affecting us, it's a horrible thing. But here it's an interesting thought because it's not in that sense. What the word here really means is this. It means an uproar. Now that sounds quite serious. It means a tumult, a loud, noisy crowd. Now if you hear a noise, 
a loud noisy crowd you cannot hear yourself think it does affect you your hearing and everything else nothing gets done in a noisy low, uh, crowd where there's an uproar and that's what the word means it's a horrible awful noise and when you are bombarded with a horrible awful noise you understand what that means you cannot readily think or understand in any way and that's what the word really means here David's saying we cannot understand but in God we will when we trust him and it's a, another sense it has a sad sense of desolation it also means to be desolate not only to have that noise that's an awful thing but not to have anything at all it's a very strong word in its original meaning along these lines but notice you see it doesn't only say this it says that he was delivered from a pit he was delivered out of a situation he was taken from something that was awful and that's what sin is but we are taken out of our sin in trusting in Jesus Christ because what happens here the word here again is an interesting meaning because the pit can be a hole and you know when you're in a hole you can't get out unless someone lift you out and then it will also mean a system that's something that's dug out to collect something. It can also have another significance, which is a dungeon. And we all know what a dungeon is. You cannot get out of a dungeon unless you're released. You cannot get yourself out of prison. Jesus gets us out of the prison of sin. It needs someone to unlock the door and let us out and thank God he did and he can and he will set us free when we trust in him and you know what it also has an even deeper meaning it can mean the grave in other words a finality now there's a connotation here to add because it says the miry clay <coughs> what does that mean out of a pit full of miry clay well in modern terms we would say mud not ordinary mud but accumulated mud now years ago when I used to take my children to see uh, my mum and grandma I would stop off in the park in Gosbath and I would just let my son run free in a grassy area that was hedged in that I thought was safe but it was but unfortunately bang in the middle and it was a dry sort of day was a hole and muddy smelly water had gathered in that hole I couldn't see it but I saw him go in it and I thought oh so I had to get the bus home with him smelling like and terrible I remember two ladies looking at me thinking it, you know. But anyway, I had to bring him out and burn all his clothes and everything else because it was a horrible pit. Now that's the example of what sin is, you see. David was taken out of this awful smelly situation. It also has the sense of dregs. It's vile, it's offensive. You see, we've got to realise this. People don't realise this, what it means. It's a conception of death. It's a finality of realising just how horrible 
sin is if people have looked and understood what sin rebellion against God really is they'll see the need to get out of it but people don't see the need but we're going to come on later to the answer to this which is through us that's the reason thank God the remedy I've touched on this already salvation deliverance by and through God's sacrifice for sin in the person of his dear son our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ this is the answer to the condition of the sinner is the power of the Saviour praise God that he deals and has dealt with sin through his resurrection life because notice this is the excitement you see you cannot help reading these verses it's a progression it's a progression from being down in a smelly dirty situation that you cannot get out to realizing that there is a way out and God is the only way out and that's the way to go because this is what David says take courage we're not down there we needn't be down there we can get out of it he says this he brought me up yeah. he lifted me up out of it John 3 verse 16 we've touched on that what love when no one else could help love lifted us out the love of God lifted us out and will always lift us out and not only brought me up but he was established established it says he set my feet he took me he took me and set put me down set my feet where I needed to be where God wanted me to be where we ought to be where we should be what God requires of us to be on the rock he placed our feet upon a solid rock thank God for that steadying my steps in the way that I should go keeping me right stable in himself trusting him and the way that we should go we're standing on the rock which is Christ Jesus praise God he is the absolute strength now the meaning here of established is this its actual meaning is to put into the mind God places into our mind instruction he gives us direction he gives us not only where we are in him the stability but the direction in which our steps should go so we've left behind the sin we've accepted the savior we're stepping in to an experience in him not only are standing now in Christ Jesus but in the everyday experiences of our Christian living for him now lastly thirdly we've seen the reason the condition of the sinner praise God we've looked at the remedy the power of the Savior but now we have the result the recommendation into a new life it's a progression and it's fourfold very quickly it's this in verse 2 it's this seen God is seen we have a the security of the saved we are now secure in him why our feet 
upon the rock. Secondly, the walk of the saved are going our steps, the way and direction in which God wants us to go. Thirdly, the testimony of the saved, a new song. He's given us a new song, a song that we sing of deliverance. And that's what we've been doing this morning, giving praise to our God with our new song of deliverance. The song of sacredness, of salvation, of giving praise and expressive of joy and add to this adoration and worship. This affects our every part of our living. We always ought to be a praising people. We ought to be a thankful people. We ought to be praising God every day with every opportunity that he gives us and every time and age and situation that arises because having established all of these things, the fourth thing is this, the security we have, the walk we have in him, the new song or testimony of being saved, but also this, the influence of the saved. For we have an influence upon others, how we live and what we do. That reflects our saviour. And this we have to realise that it has to be right in every situation. And the influence is this. It says this. Many, many shall see it. Many will see it. Look, my God has delivered me. That's David's testimony. That's our testimony if we love the Lord. God has delivered us. Many will see it. How will they see it? How will they know? By how we live. By my example. That's how important it is to realise just how we ought to live our lives in the light of salvation where others will see Christ in us, not us, but him. And that's the direction which David is leading us in. Saved. And not only that, not only will see it, but many will fear. And the word here, of course, is reverence. Will give praise to God. And that's what's required. And Psalm 126, verse 2, it says this uh, from the captivity that the, the, um, the influence was that God has done great things for them. As God has done great things for us, which he has. So the word then is established, shall trust in the Lord. And it means this, and I just want to read this now and then in conclusion uh, we'll go through it. This is what it means, many shall trust in the Lord. This is the significance of the meaning of this word. First, it's establish. It's also to attach oneself to. It also means to have confidence and one we can confide in. It also means to feel safe. It's a very rich word. It's a small little word with a very rich and powerful meaning in God's word. It also adds this, secure. We have security and a firmness with solidity. In other words, solid. Absolute solid assurance. That's the rock. You cannot move a rock. A massive rock. You cannot. 
You need assistance. You cannot in yourself. That's why we need Jesus Christ as Saviour. So it then means confident expectation. For the sinner, there's the vital need to be saved. In salvation and accepting Jesus Christ as Saviour. For the saved, now how effective is our influence through godly living in a godless world?